0: this was about as bizarre and as easy
1: as it gets.
0: So the number for me was a number that would allow me to
1: never have to work. I feel like we got top, top, top. I went from a sale of you know $500,000 to in debt. $192 million. This is Built to Sell Radio with your host, John Warlow. Hey guys, this episode of Built to Sell Radio is brought to you by bizbuysell.com, the number one marketplace to buy or sell a small business. So here's a challenge. I want you to type into Google business for sale, what comes up? My guess is one of the first top three natural search listings that pop up is going to be BizBuySell.com. They are by long shot the number one marketplace to buy or sell a small business. They've got something like 47,000 businesses listed for sale. They've also got one of the largest directories of business brokers online. So if you're looking to have some help and support taking your business to market and you want to find a business broker, it's a place, great place to go. They've also put together recently a guide to selling a small business. You know, if you think about what we're all about here at Built to Sell Radio, it's about helping you take your business to market, helping point out some of the big pitfalls, some of the big obstacles to taking your business to market. And this guidebook can be a really good little tips and tricks on what to think about before you go to sell. You can download it book by going to bizbysell.com slash built. That's com forward slash built. So what I try to do with Built to Sell Radio is give you a bit of a spectrum of different businesses that have sold. Uh, Some very large, big, sexy exits, and then other times smaller companies uh, that can be equally educational, I think, and and insightful in their own way. And my next guest, Jim McManaman, had one of those smaller companies in a very small town called Kempville, Ontario, which is 3,000 residents and try to keep a secret among a town of just 3,000 people. You can imagine how hard that was, but Jim did it. He had three different offers for his business. He talks about how he structured his company to be successful without him, and he credits that as one of the key ingredients to having a great and successful exit for his firm. Here to tell you the rest of the story is Jim McManaman. Jim McManon, welcome to Built to Sell Radio. Thanks, John, good to be here. So, Solution One, tell me what kind of company this was. This was a,
0: an accounting firm. Uh, we did tax and, and business work, corporate and personal, of course, and uh, in the last four years, I added a, a fee-only uh, financial planning uh, division, so we, uh, we help people uh, put together plans and whatnot, but again, being fee-only though, we didn't uh, sell any product or service. Uh, we're doing that for the last 15 years, uh, we peaked at around six employees. Got it, so and where, where were you located?
1: Where, where are you located?
0: We're located in Kempville, Ontario. Kempville, Ontario. Yeah, it's uh, in North Grenville, a township of North Grenville, and uh, it's kind of the capital city, I guess, uh, but we're only three about three to 4,000 people in the actual town area. About um, 15000 on the whole uh, uh, township, of, which is quite quite large, you know, quick just aside, south of
1: Ottawa. Quick aside, uh, when I was a kid, I had a job working for the Ontario Tennis Association. And my job was to go around all summer and go around and put on a tennis performance thing uh, at, at different tennis clubs all around Ontario. So I have been to every tiny little town in Ontario, oh, yeah? and I've yeah. never actually been to Kempville. So, uh, you know, it must be a small town. Population, yeah. you said 3,000? Three to four
0: thousand uh, <laughs> keeps it. growing. They don't uh, they don't track the number anymore. But uh, we're thirty minutes south of Ottawa. We've become a, a bedroom community because of the uh, major highway that uh, came in about ten years ago.
1: Got it. And so this is one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation because a lot of our guests, or excuse me, a lot of our listeners are uh, working in small towns. They are main street businesses that are uh, are not fast growth uh, tech companies working in major you know centers. they uh, sleeves rolled up, small companies in small towns. And so um I was really curious to learn from you what it's like to go through an exit in a small town. Again, because I mean everybody knows you. It's like a it's like a large high school. Um uh, so I want to get into that. Before we do though, let's talk about the growth of the company. So um you before we hit record, you were talking to me a little bit about some of the things that you you had done early in the business to make it so that it wasn't super dependent on you. Maybe talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, I guess, uh, like I said, v- from the beginning, I, I always had the notion in my head, I'd read, you know, like like your listeners, I've read The e meth by Michael Gerber, and and yeah, we wanted to put, uh, I wanted to put systems in place so that we had a, um, basically a process for, like I mentioned, we did our own wiki internally, and uh, which turned out to be hundreds of pages. Uh, from from answering the phone step-by-step, step, uh, bringing the client in so that we could, you know, introduce them to what our services were, uh, intake forms and processes on the website as well. So it gives the clients a good step-by-step. Sh- step. This is how we work. And uh, right down to the sales, I, I hate to say it, it, it uh, wasn't difficult, but uh, maybe it was our reputation. But, uh, you know, most people who called us, we uh, we turned them over fairly easily with, with some of the, uh, items that we would talk about on the phone uh, to uh, at least educate them anyways.
1: So, I mean, for me, in a small town, one of the benefits of living in a small town, working with small town businesses, is you get that really personal touch. Um, and what I'm hearing from you, in, in your firm, you did almost the opposite. It was it was very systematic. It was, it, there were processes and, you know, documents and checklists and and everyone was treated kind of like the same. And and so did, yeah. how did that re, how did that sort of land on you know small town clients who sort of expected that very sort of small town feel?
0: Well, I think we still had it with the uh, the type of staff and the people that I hired. They were they were excellent to, to dealing with people, and so uh, I think the the clients really got to know the staff uh, and over time better than me. And and I would push myself more and more out of the scene. I had my office at the very, very back, so nobody saw me. Um, I guess intentional or unintentional, It was just part of it. And uh, so my staff are always up front, always talking to clients. More and more meetings were being done by the staff, uh, you know, as they, uh, you know, in- increased in experience and whatnot as we brought people on. So yeah, I tried to stay out. And then I think part of it helped is when I when I started doing the fee only, I decided to take that uh, take that on myself. So I had to make sure that all, everything in the accounting firm was ready to roll, that everybody knew what they were doing. So they didn't need to bother me too too much on, on, on certain things. So focusing on that fee only to build that division said, OK, now I've got to get the practices in place with that. And, and we started doing all those things as well and made it systemized so that people came in. The idea eventually uh, was for the, me to, to step out and put other advisors in as well, just take over what I was doing, what was successful. So I was kind of you know, t- tweaking it and testing. It.
1: And so what triggered you to want to sell? Because on the outset, it sounds like a very successful business kind of running almost without you. What triggered the desire to sell?
0: Uh, well, that's always interesting. And it's a similar thing that happened to me on my very first business when I was in my early 20s. Um, uh, they came to me and uh, oh, I, it started, uh, I guess, probably 2015. I think it was the very first letter that I got in the mail from a competitor who Basically wanted to sit down with me, and uh, my first uh, look at the letter and who it was, a no, uh, this isn't the person for my clients. If I even, if, so I never even really gave it a second thought, and then a second letter showed up uh, in um, early 2016, and so, um, sorry, later in 2016 I guess it was, but anyways. Uh, that letter then was somebody actually I knew fairly well, a uh, competitor, but uh, I knew her well uh, well because was, um, this person was in some of the meetings that I went to from in the town. And, you know, like you said, it's a small town, you, you pretty much know everybody somewhat. So I thought, well, I'd, at least I'd be courteous and uh, and and go see her. So I did, and we sat down. We had some great conversations and meetings, and and I had really no intention. My my whole idea was to bring the build the planning firm up so that I could step back out of that as well and just let things run. But um, after our very first meeting, um, there was no real offer on the table. But at least I had an idea where they were going. So and
1: it's surprising to me that you, that. In a small town of three thousand people, in a relatively unsexy business, you got two unsolicited letters to sell your company. You any idea why you were you were getting courted uh, again in this very small town?
0: Well, I think it's because we were um, we were well known. I think our market share was fairly high. Um, as one of the newer, probably newer firms, uh, we were gro- we grew fairly quickly. Um, and that is also intuitive. With the growth of the uh, town, was 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 very fairly quick uh, because of this new highway. So that helped a lot of our businesses, not just me, but to to grow fairly quickly. But so I think they saw that our marketing. We were out there with marketing. A lot of accountants aren't are terrible at marketing. Um, so we did a lot of marketing, got it out there, got our name out there. We we're involved in lots of community activity and whatnot. So I think that helped. And uh, you know, I think. The, the owner of this particular business, a uh, smart operator as well, knew that you know, a good way to grow is, is, you know, is to buy some of your competitors for sure. A lot of legwork is done. So I think they, they intuitively saw that too.
1: And were both these competitors that, uh, that sent you letters, were they both located in Kempville? Yes. Got it. Yes. Okay. Got it. So okay. So you have this very sort of friendly, but n- not necessarily terribly constructive meeting with the with the person that you know. Where did it go from there? Did did, did who who made the first move to say, look, we want to buy you?
0: Um, well, I guess they did, and uh, it got to, so. Then I guess really a week or so after the whole thinking, uh, or, or thinking or stewing on it, I like again, I wasn't ready to go, but all of a sudden my my brain said, yeah, you know, this is an opportunity. Let's 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 look at this. It's a funny thing. Like I mentioned, my very first business I ran for 10 years as a young guy, you know, I got an offer um, from somebody too, which was unsolicited. And I said, no, 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 no. And two weeks later we had a deal. <laughs> uh, so I was ready to get out. So I think that's what happened. But with this one, we went on um, for several meetings. I thought for sure we were going to make a deal um about six five six months into it there was a bit of a delay because when uh, accounts go through tax season we don't think about anything else um so but when it finally came down to about mid-summer um there was some financial issues on their end that they weren't interested uh, they're not certain not interested just weren't ready at the time so i i was a bit disappointed i because i was i was I, I guess in a way i checked out ready to go uh, on to the next opportunity and um so I went back to my office. I thought, oh geez, you know, that's uh, all this work for five five months or so, and thinking about it, and letters, and and whatnot, research and things. Um, I didn't know where it was going to go. And uh, right away, I sat down and I knew uh, another account in town, uh, which I highly respected. I'm like, what the heck, I'm going to send an email to them. So that day, I uh, that afternoon, I sent an email to them. I said, you know, I've had a couple of offers, or or a, or a couple of people interested in my business. Uh, what do you think? And uh, within within a few hours, they said, hey, I think well, I might be interested. And we went from there. Um, that was the mid-summer of 2016. And to the, so the end of uh, 2016, December 31st, was the closing day. So we had done off and on negotiations for about six months, and uh, and they ended up buying the business. So I didn't give up.
1: Are you at the time still negotiating with the other two people that sent you a letter?
0: No, the first one I said, the first letter was I said, no, I I, I turned them down right away. I wasn't interested in their who they were and, and the type of business they were running. Didn't think that was a good fit for my clients. The second one, I thought for sure sh- uh, they were a fit. Um, but um, again, it, it didn't work out, which is fine. But the uh, the third one, I reached out to them and mentioned that uh, I had some other uh, people that were interested in, and what did you think? And, And they thought, yeah, let's, 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 let's at least sit down and talk about it. And that's where it started.
1: I love this, by the way. This is great insight for our listeners because a lot of times we get the question. So, like, how do I how do I get the ball rolling if I'm not getting solicited offers? How do I get people interested in me? And I think you did a great job by saying, "Look, we've had other offers. Um, we're we're in the midst of a conversation with one right now that you know may or may not go anywhere. But you know, in fairness, do you want to reach out to you to see if there was any interest on in your end? I think it's great. Yeah. It doesn't, you're not sounding desperate." Um, but at the same time you're getting a third party, you know, another, another sort of firm. And it, in this case, it sounded like it, it is the actual company that you went, uh, you actually consummated a deal with. So yes, it's a great, uh, it's a great approach. So take me from there. So, so it does the, in this, uh, this third firm, the one that you actually initiated with, did they send you a letter of intent of some sort or did you put a number on the, on the table first? How did that work?
0: Yeah, we um, we we first um, we we had several meetings, kind of over lunch, and uh, discussed uh, our different businesses and whatnot and how they might mesh. And uh, you know, it went a lot easier than I thought it would. Um, the only the only uh, downside i would say to me is um if you know me I'm, I'm a bit of a type a personality and i like things done yesterday so um where he is i don't know what type he would be but he's a like i said a very good uh, old-fashioned type of accountant uh very uh, methodical and per- precise in what he does uh and uh but extremely patient uh much more than me so he was i thought maybe uh, things could have went a little bit faster, but uh, it was going at his pace, and you know, I had to, I had to slow down. My, I had to slow myself down to say, okay, we'll uh, we'll go at his pace. And sometimes I thought the deal wasn't going through. And when I reached out to him again, thinking, okay, we still have a deal, and he, was, absolutely, absolutely. But it was just, I had to learn that his personality was different than mine, and I was, uh, I was moving, trying to move too fast.
1: Okay, so you had a deal, uh, but at what point did you? Was this a verbal agreement that you had while you were meeting?
0: We yeah, we had a initially we had a verbal agreement and then uh, I asked him to uh, put it in writing and he did, um, so I had the letter letter intent and and you know he wanted to do his due diligence and all that stuff so all that. Uh, you know, a typical uh, documentation was written up and uh, I signed off on things and gave them a due, due, due diligence time so you can go through, you know, our client list, uh, what they were, all the financials, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So, so I'm always fascinated by the verbal agreement and the sort of the back and forth and, and, and chess, you know, playing that goes on in these meetings around valuation. Um, because generally, uh, you know, kind of negotiation theory 101 as you never, you know, you never put the first price out. You're never the first one to put a, a number out. I had an interview uh, with another guest um, earlier in the week who said, actually, I did exactly the opposite. I, I put my number on the table and said, that's the number. I'm not moving off of it. And they came up to that number. And so I'd be fascinated in your case, did, you know, did you put the first number on the table in those verbal conversations? Did, 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 the, did he and, and how did that all transpire? Well,
0: uh, yes. I, I while this whole, you know, this it took you know close to a year. I guess I was starting to get a little bit educated on 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 what uh, what that number should look like, and so I did have a number, and uh, we did go. Uh, I did go with um, um, like I mentioned to you before, one point two five of of gross sales, and which uh, seemed to be a number um, well, at least one between one and one point two five for a lot of accounting firms seemed to be the number that they were shooting at, and I. So I looked at that number and thought, yes, uh, I would be I would be happy with that number. So uh, basically, that's what I put out. We put that number on the on the second uh, person as well, and that's why I thought we had a we had a deal that was very probably close to that. Um, and then the other benefit, I guess, what happened was this particular owner had bought another practice, his very very first practice, and it was a similar number that he used uh, during that practice. So we were. We were lucky, uh, I guess I was lucky we were on, on the same page when it comes to the number and and uh, um, I guess another thing, John, what happened to would probably cl- help to close the deal. I brought him into my office on a, on a Sunday. And uh, I kind of showed him the the ropes. I showed him everything, how our processes worked. I took him into our CRM, uh, and ha- and we were probably a little bit more advanced when it came to technology and whatnot in our in our practice. But and that's what I you know that's what I strive for. But um, he looked at all this stuff. He looked at you know we did the we did the uh, the um, the the question questionnaires with our clients. Um, what's that uh, the the one question process? Um,
1: net promoter uh, score
0: net promoter yeah so we did the net promoter about uh, maybe about a year before close uh, before i sold and so we were we had lots of of uh, history Um, with our clients and so I was able to give him all the reports from that promoter score and he could read all the reviews from our clients and so all that stuff I had when I was actually able to sit him down and how our CRM worked and how it covered emails and how these emails went out automatically after we spoke to a client and how at taxis and all this stuff all went out automatically to the clients and they had their checklist ready and they could do everything online just about so all that I think helped a lot that we you know we really Had our systems in place, we knew what we were doing.
1: Uh, We weren't selling a dud. We we really back it up. Got it. And why on a Sunday? Was that intentional on your end? Uh,
0: At the beginning, it was because uh, just for just I didn't want uh, staff to get uh, concerned or worried. So it was more it was more about that. It was more like the staff would be gone. I could could, could casually take them through the office to get a good understanding. He'd been in my office before, so he knew. Uh, who our key people were and our staff so uh, he was very happy with who they were and you know the the big comment he made to me in the end very close to the end he says you know I'm not going to change your company name even though he had two other offices I'm not going to change any of your systems I'm not going to change any of your people I love it just the way it's running he says if anything we'll be able to tap into uh, some of those things that you're doing and put them into the other offices and uh, really help them out and and, you know and I think there was a Two twofold that we had that, but also he had uh, on his side a lot of very talented accountants and people, a lot of a lot more experience than we had. And I think the two merging together was definitely a, a benefit for for our clients. Got
1: it. Our- and, and then structurally, how did he structure the deal? So it was 1.25 gross sales. Uh, was was that you know cash up front? Did you have to take a note, or was there an earnout uh, associated with that?
0: Yeah, no. I uh, the the funny part of that, I did have some. Uh, I did get a little bit of insight from our friend about that kind of stuff. <laughs> I was worried about it, especially the earnout. I heard about that with accountants that uh, we would have to uh, either hang around or the deal would be, I'll give you half now. We'll see what the next year looks like. If the clients stay on, I, you know, we'll give you a percentage of that, or we'll give the whole thing, depending how things work out. I didn't like that idea. It's either I've got a good business or I don't. And so I stuck to my guns on that. And basically I said, it's the 1.25, that's it. I mean, we could know, I guess in the end, we could, could negotiate on the actual number, but I wasn't going to say that um, you know, we're going to wait a year to see, you know, if 50% of the clients come back because I'm, Jim's not there anymore. Um, then I'm only going to give you that smaller portion. It wasn't like that. We, I, I, I stuck to my guns. I said, no, this is the amount period. And, um, so what I did was there, yeah, there was a bit of a buyout, but nothing to do. Nothing was tied to sales or numbers. Um, it was basically some, uh, I was just doing some vendor financing and so I got a very big chunk up front and then we just financed the rest for the next uh, two years.
1: Got it. Got it. So uh, at a bit of an interest rate that exactly. so you, you get paid yep. out over over time. Exactly, Fantastic. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, again, I, I wanted to do this this interview for many reasons, one of which is how do you sell a, a business in a small town of 3,000 people where everybody knows everybody? So how did you keep it confidential? I mean, you've got basically, you know, you've got a letter from one guy. You turned down another woman who you went you know, pretty far down the path with this other guy. I mean, it's a small town. How are they not, how are your employees not finding out that, that you're having these conversations?
0: <laughs> uh, we we met most of the time uh, out of town. Uh, his uh, first office is actually fairly well out of our town. So that was uh, that was an easy thing to go meet him at a restaurant there. So yeah, we just, we just kept it on the, on the quiet and, and uh, it worked out fine. And, you know, even to this day, we're out now. Uh, over you know, it's uh, since December 31st, so I've been out for a while. I did work a couple of days through tax season just to keep my face in the office, but um, which was an interesting thing to do because it was very difficult. To, uh, when accountants go into tax season, we're we're there six seven days a week, you know, going full tilt, trying to just keep up with the workload. But I worked two days, which was like I said, very interesting, hard to hard to actually do. But so just to keep my face in in there, and then at in uh, when April finished up, I was out. Um, And even to this day, I'm still running into clients, I'm still running people, I have no clue that I'm not still running the business. But I think that's just how we designed it before that. Uh, They didn't always see me, I wasn't up, up front in the office, I didn't come out to greet everybody that walked through the door which I think in hindsight was a good, was a good thing.
1: You were, you were behind the scenes. I'm, I'm reminded of, of uh, Charlie's angels, where the, the, uh, it was, it was a guy's name Bosley. He'd be like just the voice, oh, yeah. in the, the voice in the telecom, but <laughs> yeah. you never actually saw him. Yeah. Uh, love it. Love it. So, uh, how did you tell your employees, these people that were, I assume like family? Yeah. Um,
0: that was that was tough. I mean, I think tougher than maybe tougher in my head than it, probably in the end it really was. But um, yeah, I just uh, once we once I knew the uh, the deal was inked and uh, and solid, um, I uh, I just had a meeting with all of them, uh, you know, and we we sat down and I said, guys, I I got something to tell you, and I so I went through it, and you know. It, It went very, very smooth. I was surprised. I I said, you know, do you have any concerns? Uh, Everything is going to go uh, run as is. There's no big changes coming. Um, So, and I want, you know, we're going to have a meeting with the new owner very shortly, just just with a small group so you can uh, see who this person is. I'm lucky that this person is a, a very um, easygoing person and, uh, and you know, like the staff to start with and they were easy, they got along extremely well. So that, that worked out tremendously for me and for them. Um, and they're still there today, they're still operating things. I still check in once in a while, see how things are going and everybody seems to be happy and uh, uh, this doesn't seem to be a whole lot of changes except the guy in the back office is not there anymore.
1: How did it play out for you uh, from this perspective of your your position in the community, um, I'm assuming in the in the you know while you're running the company, you were a pretty well known guy. You were out there, you were marketing, you were sponsoring the t-ball teams and so forth. <laughs> and, and then uh, you know some people would have gotten wind that you know you would have gotten a big check, and all of a sudden you don't own the business. But you know you you. You, you know, some people would view it, I'm sure, as "quote unquote" selling out. Did did that feel weird as you're walking around town seeing people? Did did you have any sense of guilt or I don't know? Uh, like what was that like for you?
0: Um, no, because it was so quiet. Um, like I said, a lot of people don't didn't realize, and when I did bring it up to them, I think what a lot of people did because they knew I've been doing it for a long time. Um, the first thing most people say to you, oh, so you you retired and you're golfing, and and I said, well you know, I'm only 55. I said, I'm not uh, really ready to retire. And I said, you know, most of the entrepreneurs or serial entrepreneurs, you might say that I've known, I don't think they've ever retired or ever even have any any thought of retiring. They're always on to the next, uh, next big thing. So, um, so that's usually the biggest comment. So I retired or or what are you, what are you going to do now? And I said, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a break, but I I definitely have some ideas and uh, some opportunities I want to look at. Um, and, and most people were very cordial with me, I, and, and it was it was nice. Uh, I, I haven't had any issues, even with very close friends. I couldn't tell them. Um, even though we'd been going out to dinner and whatnot. for <laughs> Meanwhile, all these uh, de- negotiations were going on. And then finally, after the sale and telling them, they definitely were surprised. I mean, this is what they knew me, f- uh, you know, f- what I did and, and what I was good at. So, um, so yeah, and some of those friends were actually clients. So, that, so that's an interesting spin too uh, to tell them, you know what, you're in good hands. The new guy, uh, you're not going to have any problems. The, the staff are still there, the same people you know. So all, all of this is uh, going to run just fine
1: sounds like you did an amazing job getting the business to run without you um jim mcmahon where where are the where's the best place for people to to go and connect with you is is there a a linkedin profile or somewhere that people can uh uh, can reach out to you if they want to if they want to say hi
0: surely my uh, linkedin profile which still states my uh company ownership for solution one is still there and uh so it's under solution one or jim mcmahon and they can search me out there and my email address now is jim at peakstrategies.biz. Jim,
1: jim, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thank you, John. Thanks for listening to Built to Sell Radio with John Warrillow. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit builttosell.com blog.